Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is our number two of the early line. We're cock-a-doodle doing it here on a Monday morning, Dane and Kevin. And this hour, as usually... We stay focused on the NFL, okay? We will shine our spotlight on the Las Vegas Raiders as we continue going through the AFC West. Kevin, we are like five out of eight divisions almost done in our team-by-team previews. If you missed anybody in the AFC North, the NFC North, the AFC South, or the NFC South, be sure to go back and check old editions of the early line where we give you everything you need to win your leagues and win that cash as we go team-by-team. But a couple of other news and notes in the NFL, Kevin, that struck uh, kind of on my radar uh, since we have last spoken. And first, we talked about this new onside kick, Kevin. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea of the onside kick, and there were pieces about it we liked, you know, maybe adding some excitement, getting the offense on the field, pieces of it that we did not like, whether it's the strategy or the kind of neutering of special teams or whatever the case may be, right? The value proposition. Well, it looks like they've tabled it, yeah. Kevin. It looks like they're not going to actually go forward. You know, and it's interesting for me, Kevin, even you talk about an NBA playoff tournament or the World Cup setting in the NHL tournament, right? It seems like 2020, given all the stuff that's going on, is the perfect time to tinker, right? Try some stuff out, you know? And I thought that was kind of where they were headed in the NFL with this new idea on the onside kick, coming off things like the XFL tinkering and getting some positive reviews on some elements of their tinkering. But it doesn't seem like this is going to happen. How upset are you about this? I'm not all that upset. I mean, I <laughs> I don't know if 2020 is the perfect time to do anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I think it's an interesting idea. I think it is one that I'm not sure how much I like, though. Again, like, right. I, I get it because the onside kick now is irrelevant. Again, the one thing I mentioned to you, if, you know, they came out and realized that there was minimal difference in the – Old versions, but again, player safety, 100%, totally agree. It's not necessary. Um, I just think that it's such a weird rule. Like the idea that you have a chance to keep the football, I know, because to me, I don't think things such as you can't do it if you're winning work. I think that's ridiculous. This is meant to be a, you know, a piece of the game that coaches have to strategize about, right? And the element of surprise and using it. um, I agreed with that, you know, and that's part of what I didn't like having the offense out on the field. You take the surprise out of it. Everyone knows, oh, you're going for it in this way instead of, like, catching them off guard, right? You saw that in the Super Bowl. Remember, I think it was Saints-Colts, right? We saw it in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, the surprise element was something of me. I will say this, though, Kev. I like that the fact that they're – thinking about it even with the minority yeah. coaches hiring right we we were like oh we didn't like that plan then we started to hear that they were trying other things and evolving i appreciate them trying to evolve it just seems like they haven't completely figured it out you know what i always say the devil's in the details kev i am i crazy does no. this mean that they can't do onside kicks i don't no, know why i not ask this no they can it's just that that was like a silly attempt because it only was converted at like five percent. No, I get that. What, but but I'm saying is, if no, they, it's still like, allowed. I just think that would be like, if, yeah. Because now yeah. that would be completely surprising. True. If someone actually did that, right? Well, it's tabled anyway, so it ain't gonna happen. We're gonna see yeah. kickers on the field. But you know what? I've always been wondering, and you know, you talk about Madden sometimes. I really believe yeah. that. If I was a place kicker right now, you know what I'd be working on in the offseason? Not this onside kick that goes like the 10 yards. I'm trying to figure out a way to have the perfect kick. I'd like find out on my team, like, who's the fastest dude out there, right? Who And how fast? I'd, I'd, I'd work out like the damn trigonometry of it with my special teams coach, my gunner, and the kicker, right? And if I get so – because it's a free ball, Kevin, after 10 yards, I would try to get kickers to figure out how high do they need to launch it. Yeah. Past 10 yards, but close enough that my fastest gunners can get there, you know, and almost catch it out of midair, right? And, like, figure out. And I've seen this. They've done it once or twice. And every time it happens on screen, I'm like, oh, that's the way to try onside kicks. Not the squib kick, but the pop it up high, like, 
25 yards downfield in between the two lines and whatever the right answer is where one of these gunners are fast enough to get there and then it's a 50-50 ball. I've always thought that if I was a special teams coach, that was the technique I would try to teach for the onside kick. But then again, you know, special teams is going by the wayside anyway. But, you know, I'm just trying to enter my hat in the ring. You know, sometimes you're a GM here on Sports Grid. I'm trying to be a special teams coach. But in any event, um, got another piece of news here, Kev. Gardner Minshew. Okay. The, uh, I guess, incumbent starting quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars, because we don't think Mike Glennon is going to push him, right? And we don't think that Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence is on the horizon just yet, even though you and I both kind of think that they're hashtag tanking for, insert name there. Mm -hmm. So uh, head coach Doug Marone has come out and talked about Gardner Minshew, okay? I'm going to read you the quote here, Kev. And, I, you know, you have a... um, you have a confidence meter, right? You have a yes, I do. Meter. Tell me how much confidence you are inspired by this coach. Excuse me, it wasn't Marone. It's the new uh, offensive, co- uh, offensive coordinator, Jay Gruden, there on Gardner Minshew. And I quote, he has shown a skill set where he can sit in the pocket, step up, and he's accurate. And he has some intangibles you want in a quarterback. Does that inspire the confidence meter for you? I'm going to tell you the truth. It doesn't for me. It sounds like he's saying basic stuff here, Kevin. He's he's shown he can sit in the pocket. Awesome. He's shown he knows how to step up. Cool. He's talking about his intangibles. That's what you say when the actual skills on the field aren't there. He can sit in the pocket. Great. He's got intangibles. You didn't see anything about him reading defenses, his accuracy. That's what I want in my quarterback, not someone who could do the basic elements of, you know, sit in the pocket. For me, this doesn't sound like a ringing endorsement, Kev. Yeah, I I mean, listen, no, this isn't something that if I were Gardner Minshew, I would then send a follow-up thank you text to right. Jake Rudin, right? right. Um, hey, appreciate those kind words. Like, he could have been like, yo, he zips it when I'm watching footage. He's right. got a lot more arm talent than I ever thought he did. The way he processes defenses, I was impressed by. You know if what? he said that, I'd be into it. I think, too, one, you know, Jake Rudin's never coached him, right? Yeah. And, in fact, I like, there's a chance he's never actually – Stay in the same room as Gardner Minshew, right? Possible. So, because I was going to say, like, ah, like, you know, you just said intangibles, which intangibles, but like, he's never actually been around them. And also, like, if he was going to go out there and say, Gardner Minshew's got a laser, but he doesn't have a laser, then it's like, all right, well, this is silly. If he goes out there and says, this guy's, you know, ability to read defenses is like anything I've ever seen before, Gardner Minshew played, you know, you know, 14 games in his career, it'd be lying. Like, it would, it would be a bit lying. So, I agree with you in essence that this is not the, okay, never mind. They have no interest in tanking for Trevor or I'm trying this one out falling for fields. I like it. Um, Losing for Lance, baby. Losing for Lance. Right. I know. (laughs) Yeah. um, I just, I I don't necessarily think it's the type of comment that says, oh, they are, uh, they're out of that race now. Obviously Gardner's the future guy. But I guess, you know, I mean, it's probably as much Jay Gruden could speak about Gardner Minshew because, I mean, how he hasn't had this job for a ton of time, right? So, I mean, he should be sitting there watching as much Gardner Minshew as possible. But Listen, they're hyping up Gardner. It's not even hype. It's lukewarm, tepid hype. You know, that's why I'm like, Kevin, you know, I got a girl. You should go out on a date with her. Great personality. You know, I think that's kind of what Jay Gruden is saying here. He's he's a leader. He can step up in the pocket. He ain't saying, like, if I told you, Kevin, I got someone I want to set you up with, she's a smoke show, right? That's not what Gruden is saying. Gruden is saying that Gardner Minshew is nice and has a nice personality. I I think there is a a very, very difficult question that would have to be answered for this team because there is not a world where it is impossible that Gardner Minshew looks good and they are still in Fields, Lawrence, Trey right. Lance range, okay. right? Okay. And I just wonder what that means for them. Like, at the end of the day, I understand Gardner wasn't necessarily in your plans. Whenever you take a quarterback in round five, six, yeah. you're, or six, whichever round it was, mm-hmm. you're not saying, like, I hope this guy is the future face of right. our franchise. But again, last year, he was of that rookie group as good as any rookie, other than, I guess, Kyler Murray, right? Because I yeah. sometimes... Kyler was like so far above them, I guess I'm sure. for Kyler. But Gardner had a lot of good moments. He did. And if he goes out there again and has more good moments, I, I don't see why he couldn't potentially be their guy. 
Like, because as much as I... So, but you've never thought that Jared Stidham could be the Patriots guy? I have, well, there's two reasons, right? Okay. One is Gardner did some stuff last year. As okay. opposed to Jared Stidham, who came in and threw a couple passes to some Jets. All right. Secondly, though, I have actually, though, been trying to tell myself about why they haven't signed Cam. Is, listen, as much as I might disagree with it, maybe right. Jared Stidham is a thing. Maybe. Like, so <laughs> that is kind of one of the things that, that's actually been a bit of an adjustment, right? Okay. Like, is us just trying to say, oh, maybe they want to actually see if there is something there in, in Jared Stidham. Um you know, because look, Jared Stidham does go out there and ball out. And I right, like then the there. Are gonna then move and on then Bill Belichick that. looks awesome, doesn't yeah. he? But uh, so, Jared, I mean, excuse me. So, Kevin, you going out with this girl with good personality, though? She's real nice. Yeah, I'd love to. go out to. with her first date with her? Cool. I'll, I'll give you her uh, I'll give you her handle after the show. The next thing I wanted to mention, you know, and I, I, I'm going to be honest. This is a guy that I had my eyes on. Uh, Kevin, this is a guy that I think is potential to be a big time diamond. I traded him away in a dynasty league last year and I'm kicking myself. Although the person I got back helped me win back to back titles. So I digress. Uh, but I'm talking about Deontay Johnson, wide receiver out of Pittsburgh, you know, and he kind of came on. There was a lot of talk about him, kind of the slot receiver, remember third round pick out of Toledo. And you'll love this from the small uh, conferences in college football. Kev, you know, small Mac school, third round pick. You know what other Steelers former wide receiver was a third round pick from a small Mac school? Mr. Antonio Brown. You know what else? They used the pick they got from the Raiders to draft in the third round to draft Deontay Johnson. And what I think was actually no small coincidence, but Deontay Johnson led the Steelers last year in targets with 92, in receptions with 59, five touchdown catches, led the Steelers in all categories, above Juju Smith-Schuster. And I got word over the weekend that he was hurt all year. He aggravated a groin injury that he had and played through a groin pull since from week two on. That's pretty impressive to me. You add that with I think he's already going to take a step forward. Remember, they drafted Claypool, but he's an outside X kind of receiver. I'm expecting with Big Ben in the saddle under center, I'm expecting a big step forward for year two receiver Deontay Johnson. We've seen this before. Year two wide receivers, Cortland Sutton, DJ Moore, Godwin, Galladay. It happens a lot. The second, third year wide receiver, Devontae Parker, take a big step forward. For me, Deontay Johnson has all the check boxes to be one of these guys in the 2020 season. What say you real quick? Uh, I'll be interested in it. I, I think that it all depends on who Big Ben has the relationship with. I expect Juju to be still a kind of clear number one. It'll be interesting if, you know, Deontay can still hold on to that spot because you really never know what Big Ben, I feel. All right, fair enough. We shine our attention on the Las Vegas Raiders. As we said, so the roster resets continue on the early line. Come on right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on SportsGrid. Dane and Kevin, we continue our roster resets. And today, Kevin, for the rest of the show, we are looking at the Las Vegas Raiders, okay? We've talked about the Raiders a bunch already, right? We've mentioned things like the primetime schedules and how the Raiders have a lot of teams coming in to Vegas for the big national spot. And that makes sense. New city, new stadium. Uh, so that's obviously a big thing there. Let's start, though, you know, kind of with their offseason, though. And I got to tell you the truth, Kev, when we were doing the draft, I was throwing shade to the Raiders, okay? And as we talked about it, there were kind of two reasons we could kind of not like what a team did in the draft. One is if we just don't think they addressed the right positions, right? The Packers, for example. We didn't think they needed the quarterback. We didn't think they needed the running back in that committee, right? The idea of team construction is one way. I think the Raiders fit a different way. So, for example, with their first pick, we thought— we liked them potentially going wide receivers, but they went rugs. 
I personally would have got gone Lamb or Judy kind of higher on my board than Ruggs. Similarly, at 19 overall, they go cornerback. I'm okay with them going cornerback, but the guy they get in Damon Arnett was way further down on a lot of people's boards. You know all the cornerbacks that was still mm-hmm. there. Some of your man crushes notwithstanding, right? So for me, and then here's the thing, like they then double down on the wide receiver position right, including a Kentucky quarterback, really, when you think about it. So I'm not mad at them getting the slash, but it just seemed with the wealth of wide receiver talent that was still available, for me, a number of times for the Raiders, I get where they went. It's just it looks like their boards were far different than what I had, what I think you had, and the consensus of a lot of people. So that's why I'm not as high on the Raiders offseason and draft. Yeah, I think, right, like the chance for them to come away with a Judy-Christian Fulton combo was there, and that's an A draft. And instead it was a Ruggs-Arnett combo, and that's that's not. And all of this, though, to me, does not compare to what was the worst move I think they made, which was Marcus Mariota. And no no shade to Marcus Mariota, but a lot of this has to do with basically Cam Newton still Uh, not being on a team. Because to me... There's no, I, I believe, there's no way Cam wouldn't take the contract that Marcus Mariota has right now to go out there and compete against Derek Carr. But I'm like, my thing with Mariota is, and I understand, right? Like him and Mayock, they've, right, I guess. But go ahead. Like him and Mayock, because they've done all the draft coverage, right? So they both probably mm-hmm. fell in love with Mariota. Right. They're like, oh, we can get the most out of him. I love, I, I, I really, really liked Marcus Mariota. Like at Oregon, I thought he was the coolest man, and it was just like I was like yeah. such a fan. And I thought that he was going to come into the league, and I thought he was going to be amazing. I remember his debut game was against the Bucs and Jameis, right? And it was oh, just right. hilarious First thing. two kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, where yeah. he owned Jameis for some yeah. weird re- reason, because, like, the only games Jameis lost, like, since, like, know, elementary school, <laughs> right. right, was, like, to Marcus Mariota. Um, and it just hasn't panned out that way. Like, the athleticism has not been, like, what we thought it would be. It's just not been a thing. And they rushed to give him considerable amounts of money to be a, a backup quarterback, to be a starting quarterback. Like, you know, I know we like to peel through a lot of the futures bets, but one of the things I wanted to see that FanDuel does not have that they have for a lot of teams is it's under the next team tab, but it's the team's week one starting quarterback. And right. you've got the Chargers and you've got the They Raiders. had the Raiders. They took it off the board, though, because the minus money got too high for Carr. They had that posted for a while with Carr and Mariota, and then they took that off the board, similar to how they took, you know, when they become, they be having to hang crazy minus numbers, they've taken them off the board. They took, for example, the Jaguars also off the board. Mm. They took, um, there was one other that used to be there that is no longer there. I'll have to think about it. Maybe the Washington football team they took Mm -hmm. off the board. But I hear you because that's an interesting open question. What about, though? You've made this point with, like, being under uh, Jeff Fisher (laughs) and then, like, moving. You know, for the beginning of his career, Mariota was literally in an offense that was nicknamed Exotic Smash Mouth, right? And then he's had multiple offensive coordinators. Then LaFleur was there. Then he moved on to Green Bay. What about just being like, hey, if he's in the right spot, Mariota can still do his thing? So for me, it it was kind of easy to – because I was hoping that that was the case, right? I still find it almost wild that Mariota had the season he had with LaFleur and LaFleur got that Green Bay job. Right. Like it wasn't like some some great pairing there, but pretty much all the arguments of like, oh, it's the system and not Mariota go to bed when Brian Tannehill comes in, brings mm-hmm. his team to the playoff, leads sure. the NFL in passer rating, sure. and the whole team is turned around. That's where you lose me on Mariota. Yes, no, I believe in the, the Jeff Fisher idea, and it probably applies to more coordinators than we re- or coaches than we realize. But unfortunately, I don't think Mariota, for Mariota, would fit that uh, description. All right, fair enough. So you mentioned some of the, and we definitely Mariota is a big kind of piece. I, I would actually, I'm a little bit higher on Mariota than you are. And I think, furthermore, I think the organization is lower on car. Okay, I definitely think that's right. And so because of that, I do not think it's wild to think that Mariota could almost 
Tannehill Carr. And we could see a similar thing in Vegas this year if Carr doesn't get out the gate running. But let me give you some of their futures bets here so we can start to see, uh, you know, kind of push you to task on where you think the Raiders will wind up. Their win total is seven and a half. Right there, I think Denver, who we did recently, was also seven and a half. And that puts you kind of, what, just outside the playoffs looking in. And their playoffs, yes, no numbers, kind of, uh, you know, uh, tend to that as well. The no is big minus, though. The no is minus 320. The yes is plus 250. Plus 250 if you think the Raiders can get into the playoffs their first season in Las Vegas. And if you think they got even more in them and can win the AFC West over the Super Bowl champions, you would get 12 to 1 odds on that. You know, we've also talked about things like, you know, Josh Jacobs is in the running for uh, leading the league in rushing. You know, you could get uh, Henry Ruggs as Offensive Rookie of the Year. Some potential other bets, uh, Gruden as... Um, Coach of the year, even. But what are some of the futures bets for the Raiders that strike your fancy, Kev? So the Raiders last year were really, really interesting. Um, I was, you know, I was going to be interested in that team with Antonio Brown. And, um, you know, when you talk about diamonds, like Antonio Brown, if we would have done the show last year, yeah. would have been a massive diamond um, for me. Obviously, we know how that all played out. Uh, but this team finished 7-9. and nine. And what was really interesting is that game against Jacksonville, the last ever game in Oakland. And they were up like two scores, fourth mm -hmm. quarter, and they choked it away. Yeah. Gardner Minshew comes and Trust me, I remember I had money on them winning the last game in the black hole. Well, and, and it's an understandable bet. And honestly, all things that were laid out, they should have. Yeah. And the difference in that... I went one in that five-team parlay, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, the difference in that bet was pretty much them needing 50 different impossible scenarios to go to the playoffs in week 17 to them controlling their destiny to I go mean, to the like playoffs were to happen yeah. in week 17 like they would have like if they would have beat the jags i think they then would have just needed a win in week 17 to go yep. to the postseason They're right there on the precipice so they were seven and nine last year the question is did did this team get better did this team get worse like i don't know i mean bringing in rugs should be a good thing Tyrell Williams was their number one wide receiver. Right. So their wide receiver group is interesting. You know, you mentioned that you thought Antonio Brown was there, you know, and that didn't happen with his frostbitten feet and that being the least of the issues, right? Did, yeah. I mean, I wonder about his feet. We should ask We got to ask him on social media. Yo, what's up with your frostbitten feet, bro? Yeah. But, you know, someone who I think flies under the radar that I think is a better wide receiver than most people is Terrell Williams. I really do. I think he is a quality wide receiver. You have Ruggs now. You have Terrell Williams as an outside guy. Renfro in the slot. Don't forget, they also got your former boy, the Eagle, Nelson Aguilar, who, uh, by the way, people, you know, make jokes all the time about being able to catch. But he's in the mix as well. That's four wide receivers there, okay? Okay, don't forget Darren Waller, top tight end. They even brought in Witten. We like the running back room. So this offense has the potential to put up some points. It, it has some it has some pieces there. I don't think this Mariota Carr situation is one. I'm not sure how this is gonna work out for them okay. necessarily, right? Like we've we've gone through, I think, the Chargers schedule. Um no, the or, Chargers are the team that we have, we have, to, we have to do the Chargers schedule. But when we've come across the Chargers and yeah. doing these schedules, we've gone, oh, I wonder who's under quarterback here. Right. I wonder if a comparable thing could yeah. apply to this Raiders team yeah. throughout this season. I also think defensively. I mean, look, Cleland Farrell, when they took him at four, yeah. that draft was weird. They did the same thing then when they took Damon Arnett this past season. You know, I, I know. also loves his Clemson guys, right? With Farrell last year, he took two Tanner Muse and John Simpson, the guard, both from Clemson this year. It seems like he's got a pipeline to Dabo. I think Jonathan Abrams was the guy who kind of stole the show right. on uh, Hard Knocks. On and Hard Knocks, but then he got hurt. Yeah. Right. So it'll be interesting kind of to see uh, if he can get out there and, and maybe make a difference right. for this team. The problem with the Raiders is an incredibly difficult schedule. Probably uh, top five most difficult schedules in the NFL. And I think as we go through that, we will see that kind of play out. Look, somebody is going to have to bend. The Chiefs are the favorites to win the Super Bowl. A lot of people think the Broncos can step up. Right. The Chargers have a roster that, if Tyrod Taylor is good enough, could yeah. be labeled as win now. Someone's got to finish fourth. I don't know anybody that's ever finished fourth at seven and nine. Maybe it's happened. I don't know how, or eight and eight rather, I guess was what right. I should say, right? Because that's what you'd need to get over. To get the over. So 
my initial take on that win total would be leaning towards an under. Yeah. I'm with you, Kevin. I think this is an under team. I I think they could even maybe show a little bit of progress and still be an under team. And, you know, I go right back to this, uh, you know, the, the Damon Arnett pick. Okay. Right now, as I look at the depth chart right now for the Raiders cornerbacks, he's a starter. He is their number two cornerback right now, Kevin, behind Trayvon Mullen, but ahead of guys like Isaiah Johnson, uh, Keeslin Nixon, and others. You know, so remember, they tried to sign Eli Apple. They weren't able to do so. That got reversed. You know, they didn't come to full agreement there. I think they may be these kind of t- one of these teams where the offense starts to develop. They have pieces in place. But I think this is going to be a bad defense, Kevin. And I think that is what is ultimately going to get them, especially in the passing game. OK, I don't I do not like this secondary. And when you're in a division where you're seeing Patty Mahomes twice, you know, when we talk about Drew Locke and how they may open it up in Denver, you know, I like the Chargers skill position players and what that can be on offense. I find it difficult that this Raiders defense is going to be able to compete. I think they're going to have to try to beat people in shootouts and they have slightly less ammunition than a lot of their opponents. They got you mentioned their schedule is tough. They also see the Saints, other high flying offenses. I don't know how they are going to contain some of the offenses they see. New Orleans, Tampa, you know, outside of the division even. And we will go through it, but I'm with you. I think to me, seven and a half is way too lofty. I think some of this is also about buzz on coming to Las Vegas. And remember, we don't even know if that stadium is fully finished yet. Right. I think there's a lot of reasons. Games for their home right. Games. That's a lot of reasons for me to fade these Raiders. We'll go game by game and see how it looks. Actually, we actually go through the schedule. We'll do that on the other side of the break. So come on back. It's the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Kevin Walsh. And we are doing the way too early lines. For the Las Vegas Raiders, right? We talked about some of their future bet potential, Mm -hmm. seven and a half, but you think this is an underplay. I think this is an underplay as well. You mentioned their schedule is tough. We're about to go through it. What about that last point that I mentioned right before the break? This idea that their stadium, you know, I mean, we don't know. Much like kind of, you know, uh, labor agreements. We don't know just yet. We don't know if this stadium is truly going to be open for business by the time the Raiders need it for Monday Night Football on September 21st. Do you think, like, I don't know, what have you been hearing? Do you know any updates? Do you think the Raiders will play all eight of their regular season home games in this new stadium? I mean, what a disaster it would be if they did not. Like, what a start that would be to their tenure in Vegas. I think it's really interesting if they'd have to try and go – neutral site i don't know where that would be now maybe depending on the opponent and this would be a full disaster if the road team hosts the game right now, there are certain teams you can't do that right like the jets and the giants the metalands right, is going to be is going to be right it's going to be occupied the chargers and rams are in the same situation in that division right um the one thing i, I wanted to make note of as yeah. we head into this is we've talked a lot because we've been doing this, and at sometimes there's continuity slips, and you know because you mm-hmm. hear things in different contexts. And I've told you, and I've told the, uh, those who, who watch us here on the early line that I've um, been trying to embark on the process of picking all 256 games. Right. Now it is a process a that that can be done much quicker probably than I've done it. But I kind of I like to do it. I step away. I come back, and um, but we are 12 weeks finished of this process. Good for and you. Thank you. It's 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 been quite interesting. Well, you um, know, you got some time in your hands. We are quarantined, yeah. after. Exactly right. Like I don't have much of an excuse to not give it a give it. You know, sure. it helps me kind of fill out time. There are a couple of spots here where Vegas has wins that I know we've crossed paths with other teams, I and see. they've they've been given losses. But ultimately, it'll kind of uh, it'll it'll find its way evening out, I believe. 
All right, so let's shine a light on it. Remember, this is also a team in the Pacific time zone. Uh, they start the season with one of those west to east road trips for the one o'clock start. They start on the road at Carolina for their season opener. Yeah, Vegas is a team that, in general, you want to fade on the road, but also, especially if they're traveling time zones. Yep. You know, we talked about them letting last season slip away. Another game was when they went to the Jets and Mm. lost like 34. That's true. They got dump trucked by the Jets. And the Jets looked like the best team in the planet. So that to me is another is traveling east. If they're traveling east, I'm I'm off the Raiders and probably betting against the Raiders in most spots. So that means you're giving them a loss in week one, it sounds like. And I will note which is not a good team. The Panthers, right. And I'll note those uh, road trips for you. They come back home, their home opener. They get the bright lights of Monday night football, but they get a primetime opponent as well. The Nolan Saints come to town to open this new stadium. Yeah, we laughed about this one, actually, when we picked the Saints. And I said, someone will have uh, what it takes to pick the Raiders in this game. It's just not me. Fair Especially <laughs> because I have the Saints losing that opening game to the Bucs. Right. Um, so, yes, it so is. They're uh, going to be coming out for yeah. blood and looking to Chris in the new stadium. You've got the Raiders at ON2. They got another East Coast road trip for a 1 o'clock start in week three. This time they go see, uh, you know, the quarterback we just talked about, Jared Stidham mm-hmm. and the New England Patriots, but 1 o'clock Eastern in New England. Yeah, and again, like that's what it's going to be to me. New right. England's been a really interesting team um, because that, like that, Foxborough's mattered for so long, true. right? And will that still hold true? This is a spot where I would lean yes. All right, um, they are zero three by you, right? Yes, now. they are. Um, are there uh, echoes for Marcus at this point? Well, that's see, that's the thing. It's like so. Okay, so you lose. They come out the gate zero three. They come out at the gate 0-3. They lose their home game, but it's right. to the Saints. And then it's these two West Coast trips. And the thing is, when you lose on a time difference, sometimes it's ugly, right? Yeah. Like it's- This could not look good. So just keep that in context, okay? Because Perfect. as this goes on, another thing I want to hear from you is if you project if and when they do make some kind of mm. switch. But week four, they come back home. Okay, so maybe a little respite, but a quality opponent comes in. I know Gabe Morrency wants to make this trip. (laughs) Uh, Bills at Raiders in Vegas. We we might have to send Gabe and Cam out there for this matchup. Go ahead. What do you think, though? Uh, This one, though, I am giving to Vegas. I I think at some point, right, as much as we're talking about East and West, like this applies on the on the other side. And I do think that the Buffalo Bills are a good team. Um, but you know, again, like Buffalo is not going to have some unbeaten season. There are losses in there for them as well. All right. Fair enough. You got them one and three getting their first W they go on the road. They stay in the time zone, but the opponent is not fun when they go to Arrowhead. Yeah, that's easy for me, man. I mean, again, the chiefs at home against any of their division teams is a really, really easy pick. Uh, we've already done the chiefs and we've, we've acknowledged then that all of their road trips, it's crazy how this worked out within division. They've got extra rest. So, yeah, it's it's one of those things that's worked out nicely for the Chiefs and worked out poorly for the Raiders. So, intriguingly, you have them as one and four. Mm-hmm. Going into their bye week, Kevin, could this be a spot to pull the trigger on a change potentially, right? If they're sitting at one and four, they get the extra bye week. Then they would have a home Sunday night football game, but it's Tom Brady coming into town. Week seven after the bye week, off the bye week, mm-hmm. home prime time but it's the bucks so it's funny um if if any of these schedule by schedule breakdowns we have done were to grab headlines it would be the bucks one right with yeah. them going 13 and, yeah, three. 13 and three yeah they are not 13 and three in this process um that of me being able to you know fully fully contextualize things through this right. schedule and this is a big spot here for vegas because this is where the factors are too much as good as tampa bay is in my mind you're now traveling east to west for a primetime game against a team off a of bye week. That's far too many factors mm. in Vegas's favor. Okay. I will say, if they go quarterback change, I don't love that. The whole like Vegas could be in a very weird spot. Yeah. But I'm giving Vegas what would be considered a pretty decent upset. 
All right, so you have them beating the Bucks. I will not go that far, Kev. Remember, I'm worried about this team's secondary. And the Tampa Bay uh, passing offense, I believe, will be able to exploit it, as will the next offense they see when they take a road trip again west to east. This time they see the Cleveland Browns, Odell Beckham, and the crew with Baker, who we believe may take a step this year. But yeah. what do you see Raiders at Browns for Week 8? One o'clock game, real easy for me. Yeah. Again, like it's okay. it's one of those things that I'll sound a little bit like a broken record on it, okay. but it makes the difference. It really, really does, and that's why I talked about their strength of schedule. It's a really, really tough year for them. I mean, even look, look at the wins I've given them thus far. The Bills gave them an upset at home against Tampa Bucks. and the Bills. Yeah, that's a like, tough stretch. Those are the yeah. those are the wins that they have so right. far. Think about right. that. So absolutely. So you have them losing then to Cleveland, right? Then back-to-back road trips. And this starts a division kind of gauntlet that they have to go through, all right, Kevin? But they go to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers. Same time zone, though. Yeah, this is one that I that I that I that I give Vegas. I, I yeah. think there's a I think there's a chance for them again. Like you talk about the time zone, and it's funny enough, right? Because we don't know who the quarterback is gonna be for the Raiders in this game. I think the same is true for the Chargers. We just don't know where the Chargers are necessarily right. kind of gonna be right. in this season. And that's enough for me to go Vegas. All right, you've got them three and five after half of their schedule, okay? Remember, the win total was seven and a half. Mm -hmm. Their next two games, Kev, are at home against division opponents, okay? Week 10, Denver comes to town for a regular game. Then week 11, KC comes to town, but it's Sunday night football. Again, bright lights on the strip in Vegas. So home games against Denver and KC, how do they fare? Yeah, no, it's a it's a bad stretch. I, I like Denver. I paused on that game uh, right. a lot, honestly, because of this. You know, are the Broncos teams going to be able to, you know, travel and and what have you? But I I gave that game to Denver, and then the Chiefs won. We've talked about it. Chiefs are off their bye week, I believe it is. All right, so, so losing both. Yeah, there's just and all right. So that is two losses there, right? You've got them three and seven. I want to get through the rest of the schedule here. Yeah. We only got a few minutes left in this segment, Kev. Then mm-hmm. they finally go back on the road. This is back-to-back road trips, back-to-back weeks in the Eastern time zone. I don't know if they're going to fly back and forth in between, right? We don't know. But you don't like them on the East Coast for the 1 o'clock starts. So in week 12, it's a 1 o'clock start in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And then week 13 is a 1 o'clock start in New York to yeah. see the Jets. Falcons, Jets on the East Coast, back-to-back week road trips. These are tough for me, and I can't remember the Falcons. There, there's a Falcon stat about them versus AFC teams okay. that exists that I cannot remember, but it has to do with them being like terrible. But maybe it's road situations. Okay. And again, like I, I hate this because I see how many losses are starting to pile up, and you don't want to be ridiculous. But they're just so bad in these spots. I, I mean, they literally ridiculous. they literally played the Jets in this spot. I, I find these both I think it's losses. They lose them both. That's not ridiculous. Like, this is why we do the exercise. You have them three and nine. They then come back home yeah. for two weeks. This is the only time. Oh, no, they had it with Denver and KC. But they got a two-game home stand, shall we say. The first one is a Thursday night game. So the home Thursday night game when the Chargers come to town. You want to give them this one? You had them beating the Chargers the first time. Mm-hmm. Now, I, now, if I'm not, they they go to Indy first, then the Chargers. Oh, I didn't talk about Indy. My bad. Three game no. home trip. You're right. Indy, yeah. then the Chargers, then Miami. So the Indy game is kind of the one of those games, right, that you want to give your pause to and say, ah, oh, yeah. could this be a spot for them? But the Colts are competing for so much down the stretch, and look at where the state of the Raiders are. I have to once again. Yeah, uh, skip that one. Sorry. So you have them losing to the Colts, three and nine. Yeah. Then Chargers, Dolphins, back to back at home. Remember, the Chargers will be Thursday night. Short rest for the traveling Chargers. Yeah, these are these are two games though that I can give them. I, okay. I think, especially if Herbert is starting, him trying to play it for a short short week on the road, um, and then that's a big trip for Miami to have right. to come west. All right. So give me that last one. Uh, we'll talk about it more on the other side of the break. But their last game is at Denver. You have them. Well, I don't. I won't tell you what you have them yet. You may know yourself. But what do you have them in this last Week 17 matchup in Denver? Yeah, that's a loss. I think Denver at home. You know, final week. Maybe even in the mix. Maybe even in the mix. Yeah. All right. So you got this team five and eleven 
Kevin, you have this team five and eleven. Remember, their win total was seven and a half. I gotta tell you something. I'm comfortable with this, even actually this exercise. It's not like we have him half a game under. We had him a game and a half under, and this what you have them pulling upsets against Tampa. You know, so I'm comfortable after this exercise hitting the window under seven and a half at the Raiders. What do you think? The most comfortable under I think that we have found. They get five wins, which is two and a half below where you need to be with upset wins over Buffalo yeah. and Tampa. And again, like, cause a lot of times I know some, you know, you'll, you'll, you know, we go through this together and you'll be like, ah, I think maybe you're giving them a little too much this way, a little too much that way. Like you go yeah. through the losses. I'm with it, you. It all, it all lines up. I'm with you. And I think they will be in the top 10 of the draft next year. They will be in the conversation for these two or three quarterbacks that'll be on the horizon about a year from now. When we come back, though, we figure out the diamonds and fugazis for this team that's, you know, may have some garbage time. Come on back and we'll figure it out. It's the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody. It's the early line right here on SportsGrid. Kevin and I seem to think that the Raiders are an underplay. He got them to 5-11, and 11, and there's a two-and-a-half game gap between their win total and the way Kevin thinks their season will ultimately play out. I'm with him. I think this is a team that I don't think can hang defensively, especially mm. the way the schedule dictates. They've got some high-octane offenses yeah. on their schedule. I think that is a problem, and I just think that they're not fully there yet. I think the rebuild has more years in it, and maybe that's why Gruden has a 10-year contract. But anyway, teams that don't do well in their record can still perform for your fantasy team, Kevin. So let's think about that. The first question I'll ask you, remember, we were talking about Josh Jacobs a little bit at the beginning of uh, the show when we talked about leading the league and rushing. Jacobs is interesting yeah. okay? because he finished the year, Kev, eighth in the league in rushing. OK, however, his yards per game are much higher. Jacobs only played in 13 games and yeah. he finished eighth in the league in rushing. So he's actually third in the league in rushing in terms of rushing yards per game behind only Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb. You also know that, you know, he had some value in the passing game. Where are you treating Josh Jacobs in fantasy? Is he an RB1 for you? Yeah, I think so. I think Josh Jacobs is actually someone that. Um, I would have even mentioned in terms of guys who could potentially lead the league in rushing. Okay. He just seems like he has not much competition behind him. He is their guy. You would have to think yeah. from year one to two, he could really only get better yeah. as a talent. And I don't, I really don't see why not. And even you could go as far as to say, if Mariota takes some games, even though Mariota's athleticism has not been out of this world, yeah. maybe there's an argument to be made though. That's still a more athletic quarterback could give him even more uh, room to work with. Really, the only downside on Jacobs is that they might be pretty bad and there's a lot more passing than right, running. And he is still more valuable to the Raiders as a runner than a pass catcher, right. I think. But, yeah, I think Josh Jacobs pretty comfortably, I feel like, could land in RB1 territory. So he's right outside of it in ADP, going as running back 13, but, you know, reasonable people can disagree, right? Mm -hmm. You know, some of the names ahead of him include Miles Sanders, include Aaron Jones, Nick, Nick Chubb, who I talked about, Kenyon Drake, your boy Austin yeah. Eckler, you know, so I think reasonable people could disagree, including some of the names right behind Jacobs. You know, he's going as number 13 in the running back position, Leonard Fournette right behind him, Todd Gurley, Ed Edwards Hilaire, Melvin Gordon. That's the kind of range that Josh Jacobs will be in. Give me one, Kev. You got a diamond. You got a Fugazi. Who do you like? Who are you forgetting about? In uh, so I, I, I do believe that, that Jacobs is likely to be a, a diamond for me. If I had to forget about someone, it would yeah. have to be one of the two wide receivers, I think, whether it be Tyra Williams or Henry Ruggs. It's a very much so ADP-dependent type of situation where I'm okay. curious if one of them is being overvalued. Although I'll try also, to find the Raiders receivers it, for it, you, but keep going. It wouldn't surprise me as I'm saying this, if neither guy was in the top None of them. 30, none of them, not even close. Okay. None See, of them. 
This could be a weird situation then where the Raiders, despite being low on them, are full of diamonds through ADP. Yeah. Because the guys that are ranked high, not to like just give a whole landscape, because I know we're going piece by piece, but are Jacobs and Darren Waller, and they obviously deserve to be where they are. And then the tertiary pieces, based on what you're saying here, seem to have yeah. value through ADP. Yeah, so let me give them to you. I looked at the three top uh, Raiders wideouts that are on the board, at least here on my ADP check. Uh, Henry Ruggs. 58, so already non-startable. And that's the highest one, Kevin. That's the highest one. That's the highest one. Renfro, 62, and Terrell Williams, 70. Okay, so we're Terrell talking— Terrell Williams is the biggest diamond we've come across. Yeah. He's the biggest diamond we've come across. So in a 12-team league, okay, when four wide receivers are gone from almost each team, that's the 48 wide receivers, okay? So Ruggs at 58 is even outside of that as a wide receiver five. Renfro in the same territory. Terrell Williams would kind of be all the way on a bench as a wide receiver six. And you believe—correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that— you know, these three guys, Ruggs, Renfro, and Terrell, well, you know, there's not a clear leader here, right? And so given that, the fact that Terrell is a good 12 sports lower, lower, he has the biggest potential to be your diamond? Without a doubt. I mean, yeah. I, Terrell Williams was really good in the games he played last year. I agree with you. I think like, Terrell Williams is a good wide receiver. He was catching touchdowns, like, on a weekly yep. basis from Derek yeah. Carr. And I agree. As much as we can all say Henry Ruggs is a better talent, which, you know, we'll, we don't we'll, know yet, though. Right. We'll see how at it, the NFL level. Right. We'll see how it plays out. Chemistry still matters. Comfortability still matters. Yeah. And Hunter Renfro above Renfro Terrell Williams? To Terrell Williams 70. Remember, what about that garbage time idea, right? The dink and dunks in the slot to Renfro versus the big play outside ability. We don't know the quarterback situation, right? If Mariota gets in there, does he have any chemistry. I'm just coming up with reasons. I agree. Like, let's put it this way. Whoever leads the Raiders in receptions and in receiving yards will be viable, I yeah. believe, right? This is slating all of them as not viable at all. So I'm with you. If you get the right Raiders wide out, you could have a diamond in the rough. Kevin, you mentioned their tight end, Darren Waller. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you about him because he emerged last year, right? So the question is, is it sustainable? They brought in, um, you know, Jason Witten as another tight end. They didn't bring him in to do nothing, right? They did bring in other receiving pieces, rugs, Aguilar. These may not be pieces that are sexy that move the needle, but they have to, on some level, eat into the pie for Waller, right? So do you believe he recreates what he did last year? He's going as tight end five, Really, the top of the second tier, Kev, you know the big three, Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz, right? Then there's Mark Andrews as well, who I do believe can kind of fit in that first tier. Yeah. Waller is the top of that next tier as tight end five. I actually believe that there was a breakout, so I don't know if it's sustainable. And there are a lot of indicators, other people, I believe, will take some of the pie. I don't think Waller replicates what he did last year. I think he's still a good tight end, yeah. but I expect some regression. What about you? He's in the no man's land of tight ends for me. I'm either going to pay up right. or wait. I'm right. not going to do the round right. six tight end. Like, that's kind of where I am. Like, I'm either. It's your one. Yeah. Or you're going to go shopping where we've talked about before where there's some diamonds, right? The Hayden Hurst, the John U. Smiths, the yep. Jared Cooks, right? That So you're going to not spend the capital in, you know, round six, let's say for your tight end. These are some of the names that I think we're talking about, though, at that level that Waller is among. Kevin, let me just make sure you're saying we're saying the same thing, right? Waller is in a group with, like, Hunter Henry. Mm -hmm. Waller's in a group with, like, Evan Ingram. Yep. Austin Hooper, Jared Cook. These kinds of guys. Am I right? This is not the level at which you're going to be shopping for the tight end? Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't want that group. I can give you worries with all of them. Hunter right. Henry and his zillion injuries and the quarterback change could be a problem. Sure. Austin Hooper might become option seven on that damn team. Sure. I mean, Evan Ingram's missed games and there's a number of weapons that exist in New York. Darren Waller to me might, you could say is above those guys that you've mentioned, but he is not in the Mark Andrews, Zach Ertz, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey tier. And if I'm either, I'm either tier one or I'll talk to you later. Oh wait. Yeah. I'm kind of with you unless 
you know, we're waiting, waiting, waiting. And in those middle rounds, someone in that sure. falls. But I'm with you approaching it. That's where I'm going heavy wide out, in my opinion. I think I'm addressing trying to get my bell cows if I can, yeah. right? Then I'm loading up. I can see myself going wide out, wide out, wide out in rounds like three, four, five. And then when I pick up my head in round six, all right, if Hunter Henry's still there, maybe I'll maybe I'll do it, but that's not going to be my priority because I know I'm okay with some of those guys a little bit later on. So, you know, maybe Waller as a relative Fugazi. We've got diamonds at the wide receiver position. Uh, there you have the Las Vegas Raiders. Anybody else specific you wanted to get out there? Or is I that pretty much it? I mean, I think that's pretty much it from, a, like, I've, I'm always interested where the quarterbacks are. Ah, um, sure. I think this is a situation, though, where... There is going to potentially be garbage time. We've talked about weapons being there that we, I mean, we've talked about there being weapons that we like. He could easily be your last pick of the draft, Derek Carr. Would you take Derek Carr or Sam Darnold? Oh, gosh. That's, see, ooh. Darnold, 25. Carr, 26. Teddy B, 27. I would take Derek Carr as the top of that group. Really? Okay. But yeah. there we go. Yeah, like, that's. After 24, right? So after two quarterbacks have been selected, that's where we're talking about in that range and different strokes for different folks. You know, I wanted to get to this, though, today, Kevin, the idea of we are coming off a weekend of crazy protests here in this country, you know, and while we don't go too deep into it, I was struck by something that head coach Brian Flores of the Miami Dolphins said, you know, and this one of the minority head coaches that we talked about, one of the five that are out there. And, you know, a lot of people are talking about the juxtaposition of, you know, protesting right now, how people are responding to these protests, reminded of Colin Kaepernick and what he was protesting about years mm -hmm. ago. And I was struck by this one piece of what Brian Flores had to say. Um, he says, I bring up these situations because I haven't seen the same outrage from people of influence when the conversation turns to Mr. Arbery, Breonna Taylor, Mr. George Floyd, you know, because there's outrage about some of these other things like Colin Kaepernick taking a knee, for example. And then he says, and I think this was the most important piece that I saw. Um, he says, many people who broadcast their opinions on kneeling or the hiring of minorities don't seem to have an opinion on the recent murders of young black men and women. And I think that is very, very striking. You know, we are coming unraveled at the seams in this country. And I thought it was interesting to mention what, uh, you know, head coach of color Brian Flores had to say here. Colin Kaepernick, time and time again, has been proven correct. People are now trying to say that they are all for peaceful protests, which was proven right. a lie when Colin Kaepernick was I doing saw what Mike, he was doing. Uh, our vice president say we're all about peaceful protests, yet he was the man who stood up and walked out of the stadium right. when a peaceful protest was going on. It's, uh, it's uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, it, the evidence uh, there speaks for, for itself. And I actually think we're at a point where people felt as if Colin Kaepernick um, was dangerous to be the face of a franchise. And I now couldn't think of an athlete who would be better suited to be a face of a franchise than Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, some very interesting times we are in, Kevin, not only because of tensions in this country, but because of COVID. Like, let's not forget that weeks ago, the same state national guard that are now like protecting landmarks we're giving out face masks to people, okay, and tests for people. And so I wanted to have lighter-hearted protest news as well. Out there in Venice Beach, because of COVID and the pandemic and the stay-at-home orders, um, officials had dumped tons of sand on the famous skateboard park in Venice Beach. And check this out, Kevin. The skateboarders out there, they want justice. They want to be able to do what they got to do. Check this out. They are taking, bailing the sand out so they can have their skate park back so they can get to it as we, uh, you know, come I'm out from our quarantine. I thought this was interesting. What do you say, Kev? Skaters want to skate. I mean, skaters want to skate. Many also, skaters want to skate. Yeah, I mean, like, like, be safe. I get it. Like, the sand is there for your own health. Yeah. But... Just ollie over the sand, I don't know. We shall see. Obviously, these conversations will continue to happen, and we'll be here to cover it, including tomorrow. So join us tomorrow. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.